state your name for the record, please? Uh, Jamal Jamal? What's good? What's good? Welcome back to the Jamal Jamal podcast. If you have not, please follow me on Instagram at Jamal double underscore Jamal. We posted some cool stuff up there. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. I don't know how you'll be hearing my voice if you're not subscribed, but subscribe anyways. Subscribe on multiple platforms if you can. And yeah, do your thing. So today I'm going to be telling you guys about my DJ origin story. And I never really told this story before, so I'm excited for where it's going to go. And it also builds on some of my future episodes that I have planned. So without further ado, and before you stop listening... Here's the episode. It's kind of funny to me. You know, I I was never really that guy. I mean, I loved music. And I used to make mixtapes for fun to listen to while I was in college and stuff. But I mean, I guess I talk passively about it. But as a kid, I used to record songs off the radio onto cassette tapes. And yeah, music has always been effortlessly a part of my life. I never really had aspirations to be a DJ. Like, never. Like, I loved music, but at most, like, as I said, it was a pretty serious hobby. (laughs) I only bought the little mixer because it was winter, and I wanted to stay in the house. (laughs) And I guess it just spiraled out of control. Over, like, the next three years, I had over 100 mixes on SoundCloud. And by the time I went to and graduated from college, I was considered, I guess, an internet DJ. But that wasn't a thing back then, remember? I remember, it's okay, I remember. But for real though, uh, I went to school for broadcast engineering and after I graduated, I was lucky enough to land a part-time gig with G98.7, which was a local black-owned radio station. This opportunity was a lifesaver for me. The reason being was I was enrolled with ExpressView to complete a mandatory internship in order to graduate college. It was sort of like the last step. Of course, this was an unpaid internship, but I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. And at the time, I was living in Brampton, and it took me three different transit systems to even get to this internship. It cost me something like $24 a day, I remember it. The role with the radio station was live to air technician. Every weekend, the radio station would broadcast live from the club. I had to set up the equipment and provide technical support, coordinating between the board op back at the station and the host on location. We'd go over various things like the timing of commercial breaks, live drops, and audio levels, whatever. Job was easy, but most importantly, I had to stay inside the DJ booth for the whole night. I spent the next couple months just watching. I learned so much by just observing. Up until that point, I hadn't had any formal training in DJing or anything like that. I didn't have professional software or gear. I didn't watch YouTube videos of famous DJs. To me, DJing was a pure art form. Or maybe I was just a guy that liked music, but either or. I mashed songs together on Virtual DJ for the weekend. I would always enjoy like just listening to my own mixes. And that's sort of how I got down at the beginning. 
now I'm here, old school Friday night with Red and Max B. Then Turn It Up Saturdays with MC Links and DJ Fat Cat. Slick Vic, what up? I learned so much from these guys, more than they could ever know, I swear. I love DJing even more now. Not in the sense that I was going to start DJing nightclubs or anything, but I was definitely stepping up my mixtape game, you feel me? I bought my first real DJ controller, you know, with Serato and all that. And that's when I met Ansar. See, Ansar ran a company called West Indian Connections, WIC for short. And growing up, I always saw Ansar as the guy who sold CDs at the flea market. I didn't really know anything more past that. <laughs> and one day I went over to him and specifically asked him if he had any CDs by the artist Elaine, who was like a dance hall silk artist. Um, and he said he didn't, but told me to go buy a USB stick and he'd give me all Elaine songs. And then from there, he invited me to join his DJ pool, which I, at the time, I had no idea what a DJ pool was. I didn't even know how DJ music was considered different from consumer music. But after, after that, everything clicked. I was doing my own mixtapes, and Ansar sold a couple of them at his store. <laughs> they weren't special or anything, but some of them actually sucked. But I mean, it gave me the confidence to sort of keep going, you know? So I was still working at the club every weekend and just so we're clear, like this wasn't a situation where I'm like this up and coming DJ. I was relatively an unknown, a no one. <laughs> but what happens next sort of changed the whole trajectory of my life. And there's no really there's not really any sugary way to say it. But what happened was, what happened was, I had a real bad accident during my day job while working for Expressview. And I ain't gonna get into all the details here. I promise I'm saving it for a future episode. But what you need to know right now is that I had a really bad injury to my ulnar nerve. And this nerve runs from your fingers all the way up to your shoulder. I was unable to work my day job for a while and I was sent to full-time rehab. And of course, they didn't pay me. Like, I was still employed, but my whole like salary and everything was on pause. <laughs> oh yeah, and I know earlier on, I said I was, I was starting an internship. This is a bit less time, some time has passed, and I've gotten hired on as a full-time employee. It's sort of, it's the same job I was talking about in episode one. But yeah, a little bit more time has passed, and yeah, I'm working there full-time. I was still working part-time at the club on weekends, but it was hard. I had no interest in partying or even being around people. I had to do all this while standing beside the best DJs in the city, and it just so happened that during that time, we had a lot of guest DJs coming through. 
in addition to in addition to Max B and Fat Cat, I remember seeing Infamous Sound, Fresh Cut the Mayor, Special K. <laughs> Seemed like everyone was coming through. And I was working the night when Serrani came to perform. That was cool. Ayo, Snoop Dogg came to DJ one night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg. His road manager yelled at me because Snoop's equipment wasn't set up. <laughs> I was trying to tell him that I didn't work for the club and I was working for the radio station, but he wasn't trying to hear it. It was a crazy night. Snoop lived up to his image, though. Man, this guy must have smoked like three or four joints in the booth. <laughs> I remember as he's, he's lighting the third one, Vic's like, all right, man, that's the last one, man. Come on. <laughs> she was funny as hell. But yeah, I had to quit that job for a number of reasons, actually. Mainly, my injury was taking a huge toll on me, and I didn't really feel like partying that much. Uh, and most importantly, like I technically wasn't allowed to work both jobs. So, like one night, like my manager from my day job heard me on the radio talking, and he pulled me aside and was telling me, like, "Yeah, don't tell other people that you work both jobs because I'll get in trouble or whatever." But he was all right with it. So I just never said anything to anybody else. I just sort of kept it to myself. Um, but yeah, so I technically wasn't allowed to work both jobs. And I thought the whole situation would mess up my WSIB case, uh, which I had for my injury. So I sort of just laid low for a bit. I kind of lost interest in DJing. And I was unsure, to be honest. I was unsure if I was even going to be able to still do it. Because with the extent of my injuries, a lot of things were uncertain. I was still doing full-time rehab, and my workers' insurance wasn't covering my injury. They denied all my paperwork, denied all my claims, and basically said, screw you. So they forced me to go back to work early, before I was fully healed. And I'm doing extensive computer work, as well as doing part-time rehab in the evening. And I ended up tearing a muscle in my shoulder. And I ended up having to go back to rehab full time. In total, with WSIB, I was in rehab for like two years. And these guys would not support me. I didn't get no salary, no subsidized wages, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I was kind of stuck. Like, my employer wouldn't give me a different job that was less strenuous on my arm. Um, yeah, so I had to do something. So, with going to rehab full-time, like, I didn't really, I couldn't get another full-time job, so I was looking for something part-time, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why don't I look for places to DJ at night? So that's what I did. And believe it or not, LeCue Lounge was the second place I walked into. I went to play pool one night, and they had a DJ there. He was cool, but I didn't really feel... His taste in music resonated with the crowd, you know? Not the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> they ran <laughs> they ran DJs Wednesday to Sunday. Which was cool, because all I wanted was one night. So we worked it all out, and I, I ended up coming in once a week for about three weeks or so. And after that point, I was cool with the managers and the servers working there. And they told me that the owner wanted to meet me. And in that meeting, 
he offered for me to be in charge of DJing, which I was excited about. This was cool. So now I had five nights a week to DJ. I was literally in rehab Monday to Friday during the day and DJing Wednesday to Sunday night. It was hard to do both at the same time, but I was so grateful for the opportunity and I couldn't wait around for WSMB. Because they did not, they were being, they were being so difficult with the money, like, it was ridiculous. struggling doing basic life skills like getting groceries doing laundry sitting at tables typing on keyboards and I was struggling with my employer to the point where lawyers were getting involved because I was literally drowning but I'm on my grind at the same time you know DJing kind of saved me because if it wasn't for that I'd be waiting around for these people to do what like I was employed full-time but I wasn't making any money so I absolutely ridiculous so yeah for the next three years I did on average about four DJ sets a week and these were real sets like four hours a piece I didn't have a DJ crew or anything like that I didn't know anyone from this area so even trying to promote this place was crazy impossible and all of this and I, I'm still considering myself a new DJ I learned a lot in live settings because I really didn't have time to practice Right now, I want to send a shout out to everybody who came through as a guest DJ and helped me out. And, you know, I'm glad we were able to connect. And, yeah. During these years, I was fighting for my career in broadcasting. And my future did not seem certain at all. That's episode two. It's a wrap. It's in the books. That's my DJ origin story and how I got to making real money as a DJ. But yeah, make sure you're subscribed to the Jamal Jamal podcast on all platforms. Hit me up on Instagram at Jamal double underscore Jamal. Let me know what you think. Like, I don't know. I don't really have a question. I'm just sort of telling a story in this episode. So let me know what you think. And yeah, as always, my DMs are opened. Much love. Peace. See y'all next week.